Hang around with us okay. and we'll expose you to a lot. <laughs> Welcome to Pastor Talk. My name is Ethan and today I'm joined by, as always, Pastor Keith Castleberry. And I'm going to, there we go, switch to him. That would be me. Yeah. Yes. And let's see here. Uh, Brother Combs, glad you're here. So Good to be here. We're going to uh, get into this discussion here in a little bit. But first, before we do, I want to start off with a question as always. And... Uh, <clears throat> The question for today is, can you remind me of the question? It was, what is your most memorable encounter, encounter with law with enforcement law enforcement, Whatever that may be. Yeah. We, we got this discussion. You yeah. probably came in and felt a little bit of it because there were some memorable things. Yeah. Uh, but what was your memorable, most memorable encounter with law enforcement officers in your life uh, that you can share? Because uh, I know some things may be embarrassing, but uh, we would love for you to share that, positive or negative. We want to uh, put it on the record on Facebook so the whole world knows exactly how you feel about law enforcement officers. And it's an interesting time. <laughs> yeah, this absolutely. is a very yeah. interesting time, uh, you know, more than anybody. Oh, my goodness. And so we're seeing that, and yeah. I'm glad that you uh, messaged me the other day saying you're coming to College Station. It worked out perfect. And I was like, man, I really wanted to do some kind of law enforcement segment. So uh, the question is, for everyone that's logging on now, some people are commenting, uh, what is your most memorable uh, law enforcement encounter, your most memorable, was that a ticket, uh, just by speeding? Um, yeah. Do we want to go around the table? Yeah, yeah. No, you go first. You go, well, you want to go first? I can. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Um, I got out of a lot of tickets. I've, yeah. I, I did the military plates thing for a while and that helped. And, uh, but anyways, when I was 17, I was, it was curfew and you probably remember this. Yeah. I was coming home from Huntsville visiting yep. someone in my Mazda Miata? In the Mazda yeah. Miata, and I was going 125 and a 60, and uh, hitting those hills on Highway 30. Man, <laughs> your heart. Uh, so anyways, yeah, I got pulled over, and uh, did not go to jail, thankfully. And uh, But it was a good one. A good, yeah. older, I think, Sheriff's Department yeah. guy, and uh, he, he told me he could have taken me to jail and all that stuff. So I'm glad I didn't. I just had to pay a big fee. Yeah. And, uh, but I, I haven't had... That terrible and i guess here recently um uh cutting haircuts i think i told you that for the police yes. department so those have been some good memorable uh experiences cutting all the guys hair for uh, navasota police department it's been a good experience so pastor yeah all right <clears throat> let's see i've got i've got a positive and a negative my let's do the negative first the negative uh when i was coming over here to plant the church in in college station i was pretty carnal and um I got pulled over. It was back when they did, you remember this, when they had the, well, you might not because you're pretty young. They had the speed limit changed once after dusk. Yes, I remember and, that. Okay, so I was a ham radio operator and I kept up with the sunset and sunrise because of propagation of the signal waves and all that kind of stuff. So I get pulled over at dusk and a guy tells me that I'm going I think it was 15 or 17, whatever miles an hour over the speed limit. So I was doing 70 and a 55 is what he said. And I'm like, no, sir, I'm doing 72 or whatever. If you want to write me a ticket for 72. And he starts getting aggravated at me. And I'm like, listen, I know the law and I know. And I gave him the time that it, the sunset was. And it made him so mad. I thought he was going to pull his gun and shoot me because I told him exactly when the sunset was. Uh, and I yes, still sir. had like three minutes left. <laughs> And he was so mad because he didn't give me that ticket. That was that was one of those things. I'm so glad those days are over. The positive, actually, that actually ended up okay. I didn't get a ticket. 
But the funniest time that I've ever gotten pulled over by a policeman, I, I want to say I was in Ennis, Texas. I was going up 45. And I, and I think, if I remember correctly, the speed limit changes like two or three times within like a mile or two yes. fast. And I'm cruising through there, wasn't paying attention. Sure enough, policeman pulled me over, and I'm like, oh, I can't believe that. I get my insurance card out of my truck or out of my glove box, and I'm about to get out of the truck, and he goes, stay in the truck, stay in the truck, because we're on the interstate. Yes, sir. I'm like, okay. So I'm, I've got the window down. He goes, are you still a member of the TSRA? Yes, sir. Have a great day. Wow. And I had a Texas State Rifle Association <laughs> sticker on the back of my window. He goes, and he turned around and was, he said, we need more people like you on the streets. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I didn't get a ticket. I don't know what I was doing, but it was just the craziest thing. But yeah. Probably a free tick, probably a free sticker that you, you got yeah, with some, yeah. some kind of purchase. I really, <laughs> I really was a member, but uh, yeah, I guess you could use it. That was a, it turned like out to the, be an expensive yeah sticker for you yeah it actually saved me i didn't get yeah, a ticket so it was awesome. pretty awesome yeah all right how about so, you yeah tell us chase so for everyone's logging on this is talking about the most memorable uh moments experiences with law enforcement officers and we do have a law enforcement officer here so he go is ahead. <laughs> do you want me to introduce myself first introduce yourself. Let's do yeah, it. yeah do that um so i'm some know me as jonathan combs I'm, i go by chase combs um, I'm, I wear a couple hats. I'm, I am a minister uh, through the UPCI organization, and I, I'm also uh, a deputy with the uh, Montgomery County Sheriff's Office. I currently ride a motorcycle, so I'm considered as a specialist. Ooh, wow. And so I, that's all. Uh, if, if I get a chance, I'll go into that, but that was all God uh, opened those doors. Real quick, I want to go to – I want to say thank you so much for letting me be here. It's, it's an awesome. honor. And uh, thank you to my pastor uh, for all his investments. But so I was, bef this is before, um, I'm going to say B uh, BC, before cops, uh, before I became a cop. I was riding with a friend. And at the time, I did not have a valid driver's license <laughs> for a couple, a couple reasons. <laughs> and I got pulled over and the cop that pulled me over when he told me what he pulled me over for i said there's there's no way i said this is a company vehicle i checked the the lights I, I, he said he pulled me over a blinker out and i was like i'm telling him my blinker's not out sure enough my blinker wasn't out so he said I, I pulled you over for something else um it did not end well we got pulled out of the car um i almost went to jail that night but <laughs> he's like your headlights broke <laughs> <laughs> so he he actually could have took me to jail, but his um, his supervisor showed up on the scene about the same time my dad showed up, and him and my dad went to school together, oh, went to high school together. Praise the Lord! <laughs> so God God stepped in. Yeah, um, Dad did too. But the most memorable, the most special one uh, that I can think of off the top of my head right now, uh, right before COVID hit, uh, one of the sergeants in the woodlands. Um, Ran into a young man, I think he was about six years old, he had cancer, and he only had about six months live, six months to live, and his dad had left him, and oh. his mom lost her job. I'm, I'm going to get teary out because of this, but this sergeant um, went out of his way and pulled all the resources he could and had a uniform made for this young man. Oh, uh, he wow. came to our, our PD 
and our to our office. He got to take pictures on the motorcycle. They did an escort with him in the Tahoe. Um, he got to ride around, see awesome. see the um, that's pretty cool. play with his yeah. lights and sirens. And then because we were doing it as police officers, because we were doing it, the local fire department got wind of it, and they did the same thing. When he got to the fire department, same day, he got a fire uniform, got to climb through the truck. Wow, amazing! So just special people like that. It just yeah. it just makes a makes a difference in that kid. So time. you're so in a roundabout way, you're saying there's some pretty decent police officers. Out Absolutely, there. that's pretty Absolutely. awesome. It's not all negative. Yeah, no, no. There's a, there's always a bad apple. Well, sure, you know they leave the worst taste. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've got an experience with a police officer that, that, uh, it's a long story, but I mean, I was driving a car that had no horn, no blinkers, no, yeah, tires were may pops. I mean, everything. Yes. And he let me off because I had no, I mean, I didn't have two pennies rubbed together. And he was a very kind, gentle man. And I'll never forget that. And so I, I agree with you. There is, yeah, there's always a bad apple. That's the way it is in pastoring or. Yes, sir anything else that you know professors or students it's just the way it is but for the most part my experience with police have always been uh like i said for the most part very positive right and, and like i said earlier this is a pretty interesting time where yeah. uh, people are bashing the police one way or another they're attempting to yeah uh, defund them and right so <laughs> yeah vilify you and i least. think we're already seeing the results of that in, in yes. the cities that are doing that so yeah. uh, we might get into some questions about that and we did have some people like i told you before that have sent in questions ahead of time, and we have made note of that. Yeah. And uh, we'd like to ask you some things and kind of get your perspective. But as we do with everything we do, this is m more than just practical life skills and life ideas, things like that. This is from a completely Christian perspective, apostolic perspective. Yeah. And so uh, whatever you say, obviously, I know you are. You're a licensed minister. You're going yeah. <laughs> to code it with some, some kind yes. of uh, ministry perspective. And so, and that's part of what we do. And And I think many people are wondering how can we assist, help, minister to police officers, support, support police officers yeah. in times like these because it's pretty chaotic. It's a place where yeah. many are quitting, they're resigning, they're moving, they're sure. doing anything to for their families too. It's not just they, for them. yeah, right. They protect so. their own integrity and their own families, and they have to remove themselves from that right. environment. Absolutely, so, you know, it's a, it's a bad time. It, it as bad a time as it is for policemen. We went to that funeral today. Right. Uh, William Cooper, incredible young man that had only served in the police force for a couple of years and unfortunately was killed on a motorcycle wreck. But uh, the officers there, even one of the uh, men that stood up said, you know, it's a bad time to be a policeman. But I find it incredible that every time he works at Teeks here in town. Oh, okay. And he okay. said every he time. Was the director. Yeah, he was the director. He said every every day I get applications for people to be a policeman. Absolutely. He said because that just tells me that there's good men, good women out there that want to help our society. No matter what people are saying, there's still good people that are That's willing right. to run into that building, you know, to take care of the, you know, to, to support the community. Right. And I think that's it's very important for us to recognize that. No matter how bad it might be right now, there is there's good people around us supporting, and we want to know. And and I think that's the kind of suggest, suggestion. How can we support the law enforcement community? Well, um, besides not breaking the law, besides How's that? not breaking the law, okay. <laughs> uh, that does that does narrow it down yeah. a little bit. The so you. 
to answer that question, I, I want to give a little background. Law enforcement is a different cookie altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the brotherhood of law enforcement, even though it may not be as strong as it was back in the day, uh, the brotherhood of law enforcement, they're very close, tight-knit family. Mm-hmm. Um, they they go uh, understand they deal we i say they we deal with bad people um for for the front line the the patrol units they yes. deal with bad people um all day every day mm-hmm. and then whenever we get to the we, we get to a call and we are talking to the person that has called us out there and we're doing what we're required to do and what we're asked to do then they get upset at us because we're we're enforcing the law at that mm-hmm. at that scene, and so I, I say that to say we have we continue to deal with deal with it and deal with it time and time again. That it gets to the point where when we see someone not in uniform, when we see the public, we have to learn as a police officer to turn that switch off mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it seems like each time we pull a car over. We're expecting to get chewed out, asking us, telling us, right. what what are you pulling me over for? If this not is, shot at or right. something else. And then they'll say, well, why are you pulling me over when there's a bad guy to catch? Or, or mm-hmm. just comments like that. So I would say, if you do get stopped, mm-hmm. if you if you do get stopped uh, by a police officer or sheriff or constable or something, um, be respectful. Mm-hmm. I agree. That he may be having a bad day mm-hmm. and he may you may be um, the fifth person, sixth person that he's pulled over, mm-hmm. and you may, he may be having a bad day. And if you show him kindness, that mm-hmm. is passing on because he's going to show someone else kindness later I on. Agree. And so that goes along. I personally, because I'm in ministry, I love it when uh, I'm out in a restaurant or uh, on the street or something, someone walks up and says, hey, praying for you, thank you for what you do. I love that. I will smile and engage that person and talk to them. Not every law enforcement will. Mm-hmm. And I want, I want people to understand why is because they just went to a, a suicide scene or they just got back from a little boy that got ran over by a tractor or, or something to that effect. So they may not be in the mode, in the mood to yeah. engage in that conversation. Mm-hmm. So prayer Absolutely. Um, encouragement, absolutely. But don't get to the point where you're not um, lifting our, lifting them up or talking to them. Um, just understand if you say something to them and they don't reply, yeah. they heard you. Yeah. And they feel it. They know it. Mm-hmm. Um, just encouragement on the streets is probably the, the most effective in prayer. I would, I, would, um, I would support that because I have recently, and it seems like maybe three, three, four months ago. No, it was before COVID. So six months ago, I was pulled over and I knew what I was doing. I was, I mean, accidentally, I had uh, hit William D. Fitch and driving a new vehicle, wasn't used to it. And I took off and it was, I think it was October, come to think of it. And I keep going back in time. But uh, I took off and I'm doing 77, 78 before I know it. And the speed limit there's 70. And you know, lights come on. I'm like, oh man, I wasn't paying attention. Look down, sure enough. You know, it's it's all within milliseconds and I right. pull over immediately. That's another thing I found out. Absolutely. Pull over. You know, if you know, and, and you know, if it's you, just pull over. Don't 
make the guy chase you. That's right. Just pull over. And I rolled my window down, and he walked up, and I'm like, man, take me to jail. And he said, what in the world are you talking about? I said, I am just kidding. I said, I know. I was probably doing, what, 78, 79? He goes, I clocked you 81 or whatever. Man, I'm sorry. I said, I just got this. Explain to him, sorry, here's my driver's license. Here, I had it already. And he was like, man, don't worry. Let me be right back. He come back. I'm just going to give you a warning. And it was a very amicable, kind conversation. Yes. N- neither one of us was uptight or high stress. And, and it was literally as if I was talking to maybe somebody in the church or whatever. I, I recognized my wrong. I admitted it. And I helped him do his job because that's, I think, I, I want our, I, I think it's very important that the church people respect authority. Right. I think it's, and, and authority goes all the way to the top. Yes, sir. Down, it flows down. Romans chapter 13 starts at God. All authority belongs to God. Right. And we're all, we're all open to that authority. And yeah. uh, a lot to so that. On, on that topic of philosophy of law enforcement, that's something that I would yeah. like for you to maybe give us your philosophy of law enforcement. when, And I'm saying this through the view of coming from understanding that there's a lot of military guys who go into law enforcement and they trans- transition from an infantry position where they're kicking down doors and clearing homes and very aggressive to a peace officer position that could be quite different, uh, but also very much the same. What is your philosophy as a police officer maybe, and has it changed since you first joined to now? Um, so when I first started, I started, I actually started as a, um, detention officer or a, a, a prison guard at TDC. Oh, okay. And so I, I was there That's for, where I met you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I went, I, my, my parents both worked there at the time. And so I got in, I got into it because it's a public service. Mm-hmm. Obviously I have a, the heart of a want to help and I was very young, very wet behind the ears. Naive. Is, very naive. <laughs> yeah. I was raised in a Christian home. So I got in and I learned a, I learned a lot as a, as a, just as a guard. I, I learned how to talk to people. Mm-hmm. And because believe it or not, you're in their home. Doesn't so. that all start with respect? Absolutely. That's, isn't that the Absolutely. kind of the mutual respect type thing? Absolutely. Okay. Now, they will play games with you. Yeah, sure. They, they will try to play games with they're, you. They're crooks. No, yes. no matter what. I want to see what you're made of. And as long as you respect them, but you're fair, firm, consistent, you'll yeah. do all right. And then I moved over. This was nine nine years ago. So I moved over to the jail portion, and I was there for three years. And that's where I really learned how to interact with them and really really learn how to treat um, people because it's, it's a different world. Yeah. Um, it, it's a totally different, different world. Yes, it is. And so I... About, um, I guess, about uh, six months into the academy, my academy was a year long, six months into the academy, I really started feeling the tug also to get into ministry. Wow. And so I would sit down and talk to my pastor and my pastor and and my bishop, and they both said they thought it was a a good idea for me to to do both because it correlates so much as being in ministry. It really does. And as being a a law enforcement. Um, So it has gradually changed. Um, I got in it to, to help people. Obviously. Yes. I've gotten, I got into um, law enforcement to make a difference Mm -hmm. and I try to make a difference every day, but also 
ministry wise it just i mean it the to change a life to mm-hmm. be able to mm-hmm. um like you said I, I can't tell you how many times i've pulled someone over and and they were rude very 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 rude especially uh with a couple of weeks ago i pulled someone over and i mean he was uh, very beginning he, he was just very rude and asked me why I pulled him over. He wasn't doing nothing wrong. And I explained it to him. I had to explain it to him in detail because he didn't understand the first couple of times. And I kept my cool. I kept my composure. And I wasn't rude back. I was stern, but not rude back. And I was able to explain to him why he got pulled over. And he was like, wow, I I did not realize that was against the law. And I don't want to seem petty, but it, it is my job. It was a front plate. State of Texas yeah, does yeah. require front yeah, plate, right. um, and he did not have it mounted to the front of the vehicle. Yeah. And so it's my job. I didn't give him a ticket, wasn't planning on giving him a ticket, but after I talked to him about what it ha- what went wrong and all that stuff, we stood probably another two or three minutes after the traffic stop was completed, and we just talked man-to-man. Yeah. And there was a bond there that yeah. maybe not with a personal bond, but – Law enforcement to civilian. Understanding. Yes. Yeah. That yeah. not everybody, not all law enforcement is out to give you a hard time. You know, uh, just thinking of the philosophy, I know the, uh, and you see it on the sides of cars in the back, to protect and to serve. When I was younger, and I will just slide in there, immature, when I was immature, uh, I thought that meant to protect and serve me. It's all about me. Right. And then the older I got, I began to realize, it, no, it's to protect and serve society right. as a whole. And you have to deal with, or I say you, police officers in general, have to deal with uh, what is known as the white underbelly, the underbelly of society. Right. I mean, the, the, we put, and, and I'm just saying this maybe in the wrong context, it's the right thing to say, but in the different context, we put our elders in nursing homes so we don't have to deal with them. Right. Yes, sir. And we want you to deal with our, the underbelly of our society. We don't want to have to deal with it. So, but in order to deal with that, you have to enforce the law. And you, you, you equated it with kind of pastoring or ministry. And we have a lawgiver. Yes, sir. And we, are, we aren't law enforcers, but we are pastors. We have to lead and guide, or I am anyway. We have to lead and guide and serve, protect the church. So it's a lot of, a lot of similarities there. But... Um, there are, as a pastor, things that go on that most of people in the church don't want to hear about, don't want to know. Right. And it's the same thing in, in law enforcement. Absolutely. You, get, you have to pull a guy over because he's speeding, but you don't know, and, and I know this from experience, a lot of people you pull over for a broken tail light or a license plate or whatever, there's Big a lot of others. Dealers. There's drug dealers. Absolutely. There's murderers. There's everything else involved. Absolutely. So I'm... I, I, with my new perspective, I say new, with my more mature perspective, I realize that you're protecting and serving all of society, and that means enforcing the law to find the underbelly. Absolutely. Makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So So I, I, I want to insert this. Um, I was reading today in Acts, I believe it's Acts 20 and 28. Um, it's Paul talking to the elders and the leaders mm-hmm. of, of the church. And he's basically telling them it's your job to feed and to protect. Yes. And it's your job to feed and protect those people. 
and you know as well as I do, the ones that are needing food for the most part, there's there's probably plenty that could feed themselves here at church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the ones that need food, they need that constant. They don't always smell good. They don't yes. always um, right. speak right or talk right. Or there's just it's not always the best, mm-hmm. but it's still your job. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the way police officers as well. We we're here to protect. We're and we're here to serve, and just it's unfortunate that we deal with the underbelly society yeah, more yeah. than we do with others. Well, now let me ask you this, and I think this is kind of um, it, it's it's still about law enforcement, but I know from what I was looking at today and thinking about today, uh, Christians. We have you. You are a police officer, so you have already made this choice, and we have a lot of viewers that are fairly young because of our the nature of our society here. Uh, Christians basically have three perspectives on getting involved in, and I'll say, law enforcement, politics, that kind of thing. Okay, the first one is hands off, don't do anything, don't be involved. I'm not going to be a politician because that's dirty. I'm not going to be a police officer because that's dirty. I mean, that's just their perspective. That's first. Absolutely. Second one is there is a clear distinction between the church and the world, and we need to respect that and not, that's part of that part one, really. But third one is I need to make a difference. I want to be involved in law enforcement. I want to be involved in politics because I want to make a difference. And, And I think... Uh, the uh, true Christians should be an advocate for that third perspective. An advocate. We should support our young men, our young ladies that want to get a degree in political science or get a degree in criminal science. Or crim- is it criminal science? I think it is. Anyway, you know, hey, go for it. I think that's because if it, what it, was it? Um, one of the founding fathers of America. He said, "If good men do nothing, um, what what was it?" Um, uh, you'll have to look right. it up. Uh, it's not Santa Bounds, but it's pretty close. If good men do nothing, bad men will constantly, they're constantly Absolutely. a problem. The only thing necessary for there you triumph over, of evil, excuse me, my screen just went like that, uh, is for Edmund good Burke. men to do nothing. Edmund, Edmund Burke. Burke, yeah. Wow. The, the, only, the only thing, let's see here, the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And I think that one of the things that you reinforce for me uh, you're you're not real young, 33. Yes, sir. You know, I think that we need to encourage our young men, our young ladies, to get involved in politics, get involved in law enforcement, because I believe that you you have to have a certain mindset to deal. You've got to you've got to keep your calm. You said it a while ago. You went pulled somebody over there, aggravated. You've got to keep your calm. That's right. And when you find a, a person that is willing to stay a, stay a Christian. Keep their calm. Don't let their ego get in the way and deal with that underbelly. I believe, and I, I don't mean to say underbelly as much as I do, but it's just on my mind. But I think that that is an admirable, honorable calling. I really believe that. I think, and, and it doesn't have anything to do with ministry, but it does in a lot of ways. Right. And it, you you hit the nail on the head. You said a calling. It has to be a calling. Yeah. Um, Not an ego trip. Right. I want to be in charge. Right. But has, I'm here to serve. Um, I have had several coworkers that have joined for other reasons, and mm-hmm. it eventually you eventually get weeded out, and unfortunately, oh, yeah. it takes down good officers or deputies right. with yeah. them. 
but you, wh what you were talking about at the beginning of that, Jesus chose his disciples, and when he was choosing his disciples, he chose fishers, he chose uh, mm -hmm. tax collectors, he chose people mm -hmm. that were part of the world, mm -hmm. that were in the world, mm -hmm. and he called them out of it. And these ones a physician. I mean, he he chose these these men that were part of the world, but calls them out of the world, and uses them. So we have to, as police officers as well, we have to learn that we do have a calling, maybe in ministry as well. But if our calling is for law enforcement, God's still going to use us. Yeah. And what better tool than to have? Um, the Holy Ghost going before really you. Really guiding you, really being your right. banner, so to speak. So I had a, um, at one time, I had a supervisor, um, knew of a supervisor, and had some some issues with anger. Um, had a uh, You were a supervisor. No, the supervisor. The <laughs> uh, Holy was, Ghost wasn't there then. I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he had... Some health issues causing some, some anger issues and he got to the scene before i did and when i arrived on scene he was already aggravated already yelling already pretty worked up and then i get onto the scene and i go talk to him i immediately saw what was going on went and talked to him and everything worked out everything was fine then later on, I got a phone call, come see me in my office. And I'm like, oh, goodness, I'm in trouble. And he said, uh, Deputy Combs, I don't know. I, I was new to working with him. He said, I don't know everything about you. He said, but when you walked on that scene, something came over me and calmed me down. Something wow. directed me. And I wow. said, well, it was God. I'm I'm yeah. bold about it. I'm not going to force yes, it on you, right. but I'm bold about it. I said, well, that was God. That was God talking to you, letting you know that he's in charge. Yeah. And so what what better way to affect people's lives mm -hmm. with the Holy Ghost than to have them in the forefront, mm -hmm. on the front line mm -hmm. as a police officer, a mm -hmm. firefighter, yeah. something that's, that's pretty cool. I think when you look at, and, and uh, Ethan, I know you've got some things to say about this, but... Uh, I think when you look at the levels of authority that that come down, uh, I, what was it? Romans thirteen. It says that all really. Based, I'm doing a synopsis. All authority comes from God. That's right. And when you began to see that I'm just a channel or I'm just a piece of that chain, maybe that's better uh, of that authority. You know, and and really we don't want to be on the bottom. That's just. I mean, that's naive or, or not naive, but that's very. You know, maybe a child is on the bottom of that authority. But criminals are on the bottom of that authority as well. They don't really have anything to stand on, so they're on the bottom. But, but one of the things that I find as a pastor, and I think that in society, we really need to be trying to lift people up, not pushing them down, kicking them down. And I think law enforcement plays that critical role of, listen, I'm having to. And I had somebody do this. I told you the story. Uh, and most, most of the people that know me and watching this know my background, but... I've had, I've had officers that, that really, at critical times, I mean, I had a wife and two babies and was in over my head with legal problems and financial problems, and it was police officers. It was a, 
It was a you know DPS officer that was forced to be a probation officer that picked me up and just was kind and and you know you can get through this. I'm gonna help you. And incredible. I just think that and and again I, I'm talking too much, but I'm just saying from my perspective, I'm not out there seeing all the criminals. I'm a pastor. I see all the good people. Right. You're out there every day. And I know they probably don't count how many stops you make a day and all that, but you know, we used to, I'm, I know it used to be something similar to that, but right. 10, 12, 15 calls a day or whatever it may be, you deal with those that are downtrodden or beat up or just got beat up or they're just having to spend $500 on a ticket that they don't think they deserve, whatever it is. And you have, with the Spirit of God, and knowing that that authority flows down and that it's an ability to minister, you can really, really make a big impact on somebody. That's right. Right. I, I think uh, just hearing what you are saying, and so so many people, especially some Christians, would rather be isolationists. They'd rather pull back from society right. because right. society is terrible. Right. You know, we live in a sinful world and all that. And I understand. I don't want to be tainted. Don't want to be around that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be tainted with that. So therefore, I'm going to do my own little business. I'm only going to go out in public for <laughs> these days. And you know, there, there are people that do that. Uh, and so many vacate the realm of law enforcement, police, fire departments, and just it, politics, even that, those kind of things, mm-hmm. because they're mm-hmm. they're dirty jobs. They can mm-hmm. be sure. rough work. It, it, you have to deal with people, and that, that's a hard thing. Mm-hmm. And, and both of you guys, as a pastor mm-hmm. and as a law enforcement and a minister, dealing with people is probably one of the most difficult things you can do. And and so we vacate these positions. And we relocate that to others who, mm-hmm. sadly, have some bias or corruption involved. And that's why we see so many painting with a broad brush. I see Charles in here made this comment that, that people need to stop painting everything with a broad brush as police officers. That's and right. I'm sure you feel yeah, the same that's way. True. Very. But it's an honorable pr- profession, but it's also a, a profession of service. Mm-hmm. And so I think, if anything, we should be pushing people to go in that direction, especially if they've been filled with the Holy Ghost. What better power, what better opportunity do you have to connect with a fallen world? Absolutely. Know? So that, that's just my perspective. You know, I'll, I'll throw this in there. And um, I took last year, last fall, I took the Citizens Police Academy. Which is, I'm very, very happy that they put that on. By that the way. is incredible. Yes. Everybody, I was probably 40 of us in there. And out of the 40 people, I mean, I think all 40 finished. And out of the 40 people, everybody was at one time or another during the police academy, Citizen Police Academy, they were in shock at what they were being shown and told. And right. because yes. it was opened their eyes to a part of life that they've never seen, most of them. Right. Probably three quarters of them. I didn't know that. And I think that would be another thing that would really just, even if you're older like me, okay, I'm not older, but anyway, <laughs> even, if you're, even if you're 52, I'm 52. You go into that and you say, well, I'm not going to be a police officer. Just having that experience was enough. It really raised my respect for what they were doing. So I teach the, in Montgomery County, I help uh, Deputy Squires, if he ever sees this. Um, I help him. (laughs) um, I teach the traffic portion of that segment for the Citizens Academy. I really enjoy it uh, because I love to see that light bulb come on and people are like, oh, my goodness. So what he does is he puts a... um, a patrol car, a marked car, uh, behind a civilian's car, and then he straps on a airsoft gun for the police officer, and then he gives 
the person in the car, the civilian car, any kind of weapon, a knife, or a, a, maybe a gun, or um, like an airsoft gun or something. And then I give them a tick, ticket book, and I tell them, okay, you fill out this ticket while you're telling them what, what you pulled them over for. You fill out this, basically reenacting a traffic stop. And you'll be amazed. The the person in the car is dep- normally deputy, deputy squires acting like a bad guy. And he'll take a, a pistol and set it in the windshield. And these people, these citizens, citizens yeah. acting like cops, acting like cops, they'll walk up and they'll have the entire conversation, write him a ticket, give him his driver's never. license, and never <laughs> see that gun. And it's in plain They're view. Focused on wow. the ticket, not. So I, I just think it's amazing, and yeah. if you get a chance, it's something that has, you know. Uh, you you are a, you're a traffic officer on an old motorcycle, so that sorry. tells me that Steve Emmer is one of the men in our church that's in law enforcement. He said, and we were talking about this earlier. He said, if the violator is truthful, I will generally generally give them a verbal warning. Truthful, and really, when you talk about the law, that's what it comes down to: truth. That's right. Truth and trust. I mean, it's kind of a combination. You have to be, did you violate the law or not? And if you're willing to just say, you know what, I'm, you know, like me, I'm an idiot. I can't believe I did that. Right. That just takes down that barrier of trying to read who I am, what I am, mm-hmm. what my motive is. I, I think, you know, of course, now with concealed carry, a lot of people have CHLs or whatever, and it's a different world. And people are... People are kind of uh, wolves in sheep clothing at times. Sure. So you you you're more aware of that than I am. But I'm I'm just saying in general for the church people watching. Yes. Yes. Now don't. That's don't, what they're dealing with is a hidden gun. That's right. That's what you're hidden with. Now don't be shocked or surprised that if you're truthful, you made a mistake. If you're truthful and you still get a ticket. Yeah. Sure. That's sure. that happens. Um, but if you're truthful, you might not get a ticket. But if you're not truthful, you you're probably definitely getting a you're probably gonna get a ticket. <laughs> right. Yeah, you're getting a ticket now, funny. <laughs> yeah, my, I know. I'm gonna tell on. I'm gonna tell on your mama. This is oh, so ahead. funny. Love, this is so funny. Your phone's gonna start vibrating. Yeah. <laughs> my wife, three days in a row, three days in a row, got stopped. One time, three days in a row, and I think she got off the first one. Oh, goodness. And it was over here off off William D. Fitch, and I think it's 45 or something like that. Right. This off was fairly recent. This yeah, it's like a year, a year and, and a half ago. Yeah. <laughs> and that. she got off the first one. I think she got off the second one, but the third one, it's like no more. <laughs> I think she got a ticket to the third one. and But she was, she just, I, you know, of course she's a she's a lady. She's, I don't know, she maybe even had her grandkids. The last one, were we in the car all together? I think and she was getting really mad because <laughs> was I was like, in the back that's seat. Right. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's exactly right. We just drove in from like Fort Worth or right. something. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my goodness. And not happy. she was so mad. I've, I've, of course, what, what really makes it funny is when we were dating, I got three tickets in a row, oh, wow. three days in a row, trying to go to see her. <laughs> and she held it over my head for years. And then that happened. I'm like, yes, vindicated. But, uh, yeah, that was funny. But, but no, I think that we really, <clears throat> and, and I, I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I really do believe that for those church people watching Pastor Talk, that's what they are, 99 point, they right. better everybody be this. But anyway, they really just need to respect 
the authority, the position, and the unknown factor that you have to deal with. Everybody you stop, you don't know these people. That's right. And if we just come out with the truthful, I did this, I did that, <clears throat> even if we get a ticket, we're making your job easier and really protecting ourselves. Sure, absolutely. By doing that. Absolutely. If you get pulled over for a, a seatbelt and you get a ticket for no seatbelt, obviously you violated the law by no seatbelt. But the reason why that police officer is pulling you over for no seatbelt is, one, it's obviously violating the law. Right. But, two, he probably has worked to crash one or two crashes yeah. that the person wasn't wearing their seatbelt and they went through the windshield and he had to stay on that scene for four or five hours and cleaning up all the pieces. cleaning up and then go no yep. notify a family member yeah so yeah he's enforcing law but also you have to think about him he doesn't he doesn't it doesn't make him happy to go and f notify a family member mm -hmm. that their mm -hmm. son just passed away so the so the golden rule applies to all of this absolutely do unto others as you'd have them do unto you and if i was a police officer i want to put myself in that position but it leads us to some questions that have been asked us okay and uh, the first one is, and I'm just going to read this because, and there's really a two parts to it. The first one is, if given, <clears throat> excuse me, unconstitutional edicts or mandates, whatever you want to call it, commands, where would you as an officer or your department draw the line on enforcing those mandates, those unconst unconstitutional? You, and I'm, gonna, I'm just going to maybe foreshadow that by saying or assuming you have to know somewhat of the Constitution, people's rights, personal rights. Right. So you hear a command or you understand something to be told to you, and whether that be you know, search and seizure or privacy, or let's just make it a privacy issue. You know, and, and I have had this happen. In fact, I'll tell a quick story to okay. predate or come before this. Young lady here in the church got pulled over late at night, left the fireworks stand on the south side of town, by herself, and the police officer, I don't remember if it was a DPS or whatever, he um, got her out of the car, and, and she's young. She's like 17 or 18, new student, and really beyond, beyond the pale, in my opinion, get out of the car and started rummaging, looking through, where are you at, what are you doing out this late at night? We got through selling fireworks at midnight. I mean, made her stand in the back on the grass. A lot of things, to me... That that violated, and I don't know which amendment or whatever it is that, that search and un, what is it called un, un uh, something search and seizure, whatever it is. You might look that up. You know, if you were told, and that's maybe the question: if you were told something like that, you need to pull these people over and get them out of the car and search their car without calls. What do you do? Um, unreasonable. Unreasonable, un unreasonable search and seizure. Search, yeah. So. I'll, I'll give you an example. I'm better at giving examples. Um, my job, obviously, I'm required to pull people over. That's mm -hmm. the, I'm sure. a traffic unit. That's and <clears throat> they in the past, you alluded to this earlier. They have told police officers get out there and pull ten people, people over. over yeah. Right, give ten tickets mm -hmm. a day. Mm -hmm. Well, there is law that they that they cannot do that. If they tell me, right, Deputy Combs, I want you to go pull. Um, 10 people over and give 10, 10 citations today. Mm -hmm. um, that's against the law because there's mm -hmm. 
There's laws written about that. So if I was asked or told, if I was told to go do that, then my, my response would be, I, I can't. I cannot do that. Mm-hmm. Um, now, don't get me wrong. In every business, there is, every business is ran off numbers. Okay. Yes, it is. Yeah, right. So that law enforcement is ran off numbers. Um, there is data that will show you every every department's ran off numbers. So they're going to look at the numbers, and so they, it's kind of a catch twenty two. They can't tell me to go to pick up my numbers, but then if you if don't I have, don't pick up my right. numbers, then there's no need for me to be there. Or if you've gave seventy five percent of your stops or warnings, there's a re, there's a right. you've got too your much mercy. And so you have to you have to be able to uh, work work with work with that. But I have I, I am able to go find um, I can I can go on to lawfind.com or something to that effect mm-hmm. and find the law that shows hey I, you can't tell me to give ten tickets. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean I I will personally do my best to mm-hmm. stop as many people as I can that day or whatever, whatever the goal is. But so the, the search and seize, um, if they tell me to, uh, you need to go find drugs. Okay. I'm going to go find the drugs, but I'm going to do it under the law. Yeah. Um, if you do run across, for, for example, for her, um, I personally protect my name, protect yeah. my, my reputation. Yeah, I agree. So, if I'm if I'm out there on the side of the road, I'm gonna call for another unit. I'm gonna be mm-hmm. respectful. I'm gonna explain to her what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna I'm I, I'm just I, I'm by the book. I'm just a by the book kind of guy. It kind of that kind of uh, borderlines in some of the conversation we're having right now. Kind of borderlines that that ethical. Even if it's even if it's legal, it might not always be Probably just right. Cause that can be pretty fluid at times. Yeah, it's very subjective. Yeah. yeah. So you have to be kind of a walking. Um, penal code. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's it's difficult. It's yeah. difficult. Because um, yeah. the penal code is not just, um, the penal code goes from traffic law to uh, the other parts of it. So you have to know mm-hmm. traffic law. Um, mm-hmm. For example, they, if, if the drug guys, a lot of times the, the, the guys that are working interdiction, um, if, they're, if they're looking for a certain vehicle, they'll call the traffic unit yeah. and say, hey, we need this car stopped. Um, because uh, we know more traffic than, say, the other guys. So, yes, we, we do have to know a, a walking penal code, per right. se. Well, and, and that actually leads to me to an experience that I didn't have, but so, uh, somebody else had. Who it's been probably 15 years ago, so I'm probably going to tell the story wrong, but they were pulled over because all the descriptions, and it was one of those weird times and things. The descriptions was this the one in front of the campgrounds? I think it was. That's when what mom I was, and Lacey got pulled out. Yes, that's what it was. And it was, it was, it, yeah. the car fit the description and it was involved in a bank robbery. Absolutely. And, you know, if, <clears throat> yeah, but if you don't handle that properly, they could really, you know, they could really cause a lot of problems and grief for somebody trying to do their job. But, you know, as, as, uh, I would say it's fairly typical to be able to judge somebody by their appearance when you, Right in front of the campgrounds in Lufkin of, of all places. Right. Oh, never mind. See you later. You didn't You're just in rob camp a bank. Meeting, so all the people <laughs> yeah. are out there. Yeah. Seeing. 
their luggage going through and a pastor's yeah, wife hands right. on the on the hood. <laughs> right because right. because uh, uh, so there's two different traffic there's a normal traffic stop and then there's a felony traffic stop and a felony traffic stop is uh, if someone robbed a bank mm-hmm. uh, most of the time it's with a weapon mm-hmm. so i'm not approaching that a car right without and, backup or right and yeah. there's different things that they have to do and so that's pretty embarrassing um now because i'm on both spectrums Mm-hmm. Um, I can see your wife's part, but I also see that police officer's point of view. Yeah, right. sure. Um, oh, yeah. So that's that's another fine line that we have to walk. You know, I think this is something that we all need to recognize. The President of the United States knows much more than what we know he knows. That's right. We don't know all that he knows. And he's making choices based upon thousands, thousands of pieces of information that's filtered up to him. And oftentimes our law enforcement officers on the street are making choices, making calls, making decisions based on maybe not thousands, but <clears throat> hundreds of pieces of information. Right. And it might have just been that white Ford truck. That might be all they're running on. Or it might be they just flew by him going 78 and a 55, right. and they're driving a gray. We don't know what it is. It's a gray something. And we just have to... I really think the more I mature, the older I get, and I'm, I'm starting to mature now. You know, I'm starting <laughs> to get there. Uh, thank God I'm getting there because my wife was getting tired of me being immature. But my point is, I think the more we just recognize, your own, you're just trying to do what is best for society. Yes. Yes. You, you represent the authority, and again, it goes all the way up to God, but you represent the authority of the state of Texas and the U.S. government, and you're just trying to protect and serve all of society. And I think some of our younger people seem to think like I did. Well, they're supposed to protect and serve me. It's about me. You know, you know, and that's just silly. It's it's right. obviously very immature. But I think you you just we have to recognize that if we do that, then we'll all get along. You know, we might not see, stand on the side of the road and sing kumbaya, but at least we'll we'll get along. We won't right. you know be hurt matter mad at each other. But I do um I do have kind of a funny story to say and and I got stopped and and they didn't ask me who I was and it was I was a pastor right here and I got stopped down here. William D. Fitch seems to be like a magnet for me. You didn't pull the pastor card, did you? I didn't. You know who I am. The first time or two I didn't do anything. (laughs) And one time he pulled me over down here on William D. Fitch. And a few weeks or months later I'm pulling into the parking lot here at the church and he's sitting there. And I pull up to him and he goes, Hey, didn't I just pull you over the other day? I'm like, yeah. He goes, okay. And I pull, I said, I pastor the church here. You shouldn't be speeding, should you? <laughs> I knew, you know, it was just one of these things where he knew he had stopped a pastor and I knew I was wrong anyway. After that, then he would pull me over just to talk to me. That was kind of frustrating, but nice guy. But okay, so let me get to the next few questions. Yeah, we have about 15 minutes. Oh, okay. All right, so at, uh, and there's really two or three here that are, should be kind of short, but one here as a law enforcement officer, are, you are often exposed to elements of society that most of us never get to see and hear about as a Christian. How do you navigate through these challenges, and what's the hardest part of dealing with this underbelly? I, I'm going to yeah. use that phrase again. Okay. That, I'm, glad, I'm glad that question um, is asked. I'll answer, I'll answer the question, and I'll also give a little bit of mine. Um, as a law enforcement and we'll even cut the ministry out yeah. just as a law enforcement and a Christian. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll try to answer the question. As a Christian, I'm called to be a disciple. I'm, I'm yep. as a Christian. Not that's ministry, just disciple. Just disciple. Um, whether or not, bare minimum, I'm, I'm a disciple, okay? Mm-hmm. I have to understand that my voice, my talents, my influence, I've already given all, as a Christian, I've already dedicated, given all that to God. That's for God to use mm-hmm. for his church. So as a police officer, I have to understand that and realize anytime I encounter anyone, not only are they uh, looking at the badge, mm-hmm. but as a Christian, they're also looking at the man. Okay. Yeah. So as far as a, a, a normal police officer, he can maybe say or do and talk however he wants. Mm-hmm. But whenever I go home, I've got to be able to answer that before I go to bed. I've got to be able to say, I was a good police officer and right. a good Christian. Yeah. Um, does your wife have a switch on your back that she flips on and off when you come in the door? That I'm glad you said that. <laughs> so as a police officer, I have to learn to turn that switch off. I have to. Yeah. When, I, when I come in the door, um, my wife is phenomenal. Um, she is a very, very strong individual. And she has, through trial and error, we have learned that when I get home, I hug the kids. And then for about 15 minutes, I go and cool, cool down. Yeah. Not only am I cooling down because it was hot outside. Kind of, kind of doing a, a a mental download. Yeah. Yes, sir. Getting getting all that out, turning that switch because now I'm father. Yeah. Now I'm husband. husband. Uh, now I'm son. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I have to download everything. But the three main things that I would like to point out as a law enforcement, I've got to stay. And my law enforcement officers, um, any, anybody in law enforcement, um, I wrote must. But I'll also add it in, you must or you, for law enforcement, you shall, and law enforcement, they'll understand what I'm talking about, you shall stay connected, get connected to God and stay connected to God. You, If you're going to be in law enforcement and be a Christian, you have to stay connected to God. Right. You've got to have a prayer, a prayer life, and a walk, and a fasting, whatever you're fasting. You need to go to church regular. Yes, I mean, sir. You need that reminder, that refreshment, all that. Yeah. Which brings me to the second one. You shall, you have to, there's no ifs, ands, buts about it. Stay connected to your family. Uh-huh. Okay. You, one of the things that my friends do at work, my coworkers do at work, is they go out and they, after work, they go congregate with each other. Uh-huh. That's fine if they want to do that. I will sometimes right. go spend time with them, a birthday parties, something like right. that. But I separate myself I'm not. I'm not going there to spend time with a police officer. I'm going to spend time with a friend. I make sure I'm surrounding myself with friends and family. Mm-hmm. Third, um, I've and and you just said it a while ago. It's the church. You've got to connect. I know if you're working shift work and you work. Sometimes you work on Sundays. Sometimes you work on Wednesdays uh, or Tuesdays. Whenever the service yeah. is, you've got to. Force yourself, make yourself connect in church. If it's simply bringing water to the platform, mm-hmm. every service, you know. You're engaged. You're engaged. Yep. That your pastor's dependent on you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you know that you you have a job, what, whatever it is. Because if you're connected to the church, then you have something to live for after you turn that switch off. Yeah. Now, my wife has a question. 
and this is not part of those that were sent in earlier. Uh, and she has a reason to ask this. Do, does she have the right to refuse to hand over her gun if she has a CHL? And this was, let me, can, you want me to give you the back? Yeah, does she have the responsibility or, yeah, does she have to? Uh, backstory real quick, she was pulled over, uh, I forgot what time of the day it was, seems like it was in the evening on the way to a youth rally, seems like it. And uh, the officer said, do you have a gun? She said, yes. She, he said, can I have, or I need that. And I think he, she gave it to her, she gave it to him, and he took it from her, and that was it. And then he talked to her as if, as if she was afraid, and it might have been a new officer, might have been a lot of things, but does she have, can she refuse? No. No, he's, he, okay, if he's there for probable cause, obviously she. Sped, whatever it might be. So yeah. that's going to be, it's going to be probable cause. So he's got a reason to talk to her. He's got a reason to communicate with her. And he can take that gun and run that gun for um, stolen. Um, just make sure it's clear, not been using any crimes or anything like that. Um, he's, he's got the right, but as a police officer that's been doing this for about eight years you if i pull you over and you tell me look i'm i have a handgun license i've got my pistol yeah i'm gonna ask you to tell me where it's at maybe mm -hmm. and you say it's on my hip or it's in my console i'm gonna tell you not to reach for it right. don't touch it right. because now i'm putting myself in harm's way because you're handling that gun mm -hmm. and well even if accidentally went off, right. it don't matter why. And, and studies will show that um, even if you're shot, you're still you, you still have time and you can yes. still shoot someone else. Yes. And so, uh, with the gun being in that person's hand and your gun's not in your hand, right. that so I obviously work in Texas and I stop a lot of people with CHLs right. or handgun license. Which those are the I, least likely to ever do right. anything. Yeah, so I think right. the percentage is At like, like point one percent or right. something yeah. of criminals have so, a CHL. Yes, he does. Um, and she has to surrender it. Should she? Or should he? If it's in the console, I'll ask them to step out of the car. If I want to run the gun, I'll, I'll ask them to step out of the car. I can go in there to that console, get the gun, uh, check the serial number, and then a lot of times I will take the magazine out, take the round out, set the gun back in there and I'll set the magazine somewhere else. Yeah. And then I'll come back that way. Um, gives you time. Right. If, hey, yeah. go back to your car. I'm going to my car. Here's your ticket, whatever. So I, but that that's when the gun's not on the person. Mm -hmm. um, if it's in her purse, he may ask her to step out, but there's different scenarios, but yes, he can run the, run the gun. So she you said would use under probable cause that you'd be able to go in, open up the glove box and take the gun out. Yes. Okay. So that, that's the only thing I can go in there for. Okay. Does it make sense? Like it does I can't go sense. in there and look for drugs. Because she referenced that. Yeah. Okay. It's not, um, if I go into the center console, get the gun out and then I look in the glove department and find the, the drugs. Now that I don't, I don't but if you smell word. weed or something, that that takes it even Opens further. Opens up, and you have the ability to probable cause to search. Right. Right. Yes, um, that's probable cause to search the vehicle. Yes. My wife said she was on her way home from a youth rally late at night with a few girls in the car when that took place, and uh, I don't understand that sometimes. I got pulled over one time, and I tell you, I really have had, and I said this earlier, I've had good in, engagement sure. with officers. I don't want to. I want to respect. I want to honor. And I try to go out of my way to make sure they're safe. 
whether that be however, even the way I pull over on the side of the road, I want to get as far over as I can possibly yes. get over. And I, I got pulled over in one time and I had, I just bought a rifle. It was in the back seat uncovered. And I didn't think I was going to get pulled over, but I was doing like 45 and a 40 or whatever. Guy pulled me over and I'm like, man, I had, you know, of course my hands are on the wheels. Sure. I'm like, man, you are not going to believe this. And he's like, I already saw it. And I'm like, I just bought it. <laughs> you know, and he's like, is that a 44 or 357? Because it's lever action. And he's okay. like, oh man, can I see it? Of course, it changed into a conversation about hunting, and I still got a ticket. <laughs> but See? it was just, a, it was okay because it, it, it's only, and I don't mean to be flippant about people's money, but I realized a long time ago, it's only money. It's only money, and it's only for our own safety and our own security. Right. Right. You're trying to protect and serve the community. So anyway, I need to, I need to quit. Okay, so uh, last couple of points, and, and we've only got a few minutes, so we'll hurry. Um at what point, and this is my kind of question, okay, this is, this is from me. What point does ego help or hurt an officer? I know there's got to be a certain amount of ego. Confident. Sure. Confident. Maybe that's better, better you know, self-confidence. Pride of the uniform, things like that. There's got to be a certain amount of that. But there's got to also be a point to where you've gone too far. Do, do, is there a check and balance for that kind of officer? Is it is the is the supervisors on the lookout for that, you know, that dangerous ego? I don't know if that's really the right, right way I can say that. Yes, sir. Is that something that it is always under the purview of supervisors or? It, it? it should be, um, but one one of the things I would I point out is we live in a very fast paced world, but also we live in a very modern world. Mm-hmm. And I encourage people to video. If you're going to get, if you're getting pulled over and you've got a, a cup holder or mm. a, a Ram mount or something holding your phone, reach up, turn the camera on. Yeah. That checks police officers because they walk up and they see the light on, whatever that may, that, that checks them as well. Um, you do have to have some kind of, um, I don't want to use the word ego, but command presence. Yes, you do. Um, right. Or, or you're going to get ran over by the bad guy. Right. Yeah. He's right. going to walk all over you. And so, quick story, police officer, uh, they're interviewing this guy that had killed a police officer. And they ask him um, all, the, all the questions they ask him. And he says, well, I actually had it set up where I was going to kill, ambush this police officer. And he pulled, the police officer gets there, gets out of his car. But his car was clean. His uniform was nice. He was all fit, in shape, and he said, I knew if I shot at him, he was going to shoot back. Yeah, he was going to take him down. And yeah. so I, I didn't shoot him. I waited for the one that had mm-hmm. stains on his shirts, heavy set, overweight, yeah. car was dirty. So a uni- So when he gets out of the car, the police officer gets out of the car, um, he's going to bring a command presence with him. It's a hard yeah. target, soft target kind right. of presence. But he also has to learn to keep that command presence in check as well. And Humble, but not vulnerable. Right. Now, I care. I, I have a body camera, so I'm always – everything's videoed, everything's recorded. But if you have your own camera – now, don't blat- blatantly, hey, I'm recording you. Hey, Yeah, that's rude. So that's rude. It's, yeah. it, it's only going to turn that conversation yeah. a different yeah. direction for you um, because my coworkers get so mad at me sometimes because people will thank me 
mm-hmm. as I'm writing them a ticket yeah. and tell me to have a good day. And they're nice about it. Mm-hmm. And they get chewed out, screams. They, they get mm-hmm. they get some pretty bad customers. Mm-hmm. And But it's because I'm so nice to people. Yes. I, I didn't go up there and chew them out, write them a ticket, and tell them to have a bad day. You start off with respect. Absolutely. Same. Absolutely. It goes back to the, In fact, it goes back to that prison or you know jail cell. It all. Yeah. In, in yes, fact, sir. in reality, every relationship has to build on respect. If, yes, if you don't have common respect for each other, you're you're building on the wrong thing, and no relationship will last. Got any more questions? I'm sorry. I probably we need to have him back. <laughs> we do. <laughs> this could go for several hours. Yes, it could. This yes. Good. Well, we are at the end of our time. Uh, so. Thank you very much for coming, Chase Combs. uh, We could say evangelist, sheriff's department uh, officer. Anything else you want to want to say before you Um, leave today? uh, (laughs) Father to two and two beautiful kids and my lovely wife. That's cool. Amazing. That's cool. Yeah. Well, anyways, we're glad you're here. Thank you, Pastor, and uh, for both of you guys taking the time. And I want to let everyone know that uh, this will be on YouTube. So if you know somebody that's a police officer or that that uh, needs to understand some of the workings of the police department, mm-hmm. how these officers go through. This was a pretty um, insightful uh, conversation. So this is something that... I think it'd be good for young people, too. I think Absolutely. so. Some of the, like, 15, 14, getting ready to go out, get their driver's license. Right. I think it'd be very good for them to see. Right. So we'll be putting this on YouTube tonight. Uh, feel free to share it with somebody. Um, thank you for watching. Every Tuesday night, Pastor yeah. Talk. Um, if you have any guests or any ideas, uh, topics you'd love for us to discuss, please feel free to send us a message or comment and just let us know. So thank you for watching. You'll have a great night. God God bless. bless. God bless. Thank you.